This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. I, today's service, we had, a, we had a lot I want to throw out there today. And, and it's either all going to land nice and neatly or there's going to be broken glass everywhere. So we shall see. You know, somebody pro- told me before, Chuck will love you anyway. So we're looking at today, like, what is, what is this trust thing? What does this trust thing look like? Because I know just, just in this week, in this congregation, a number of you are coming here today or watching us online and you have heavy hearts. You know, you have lives that feel so disjointed and you're facing things that are, are unimaginably difficult. And I imagine there's many more that, that, that the congregation is unaware of. And how is it that we can find peace even in those moments? And what I want to talk about is, is how we find this. And I love this phrase. How is it that we find grace for the season we are in? Like, let's all say that together. Finding grace for the season we are in. Finding grace for the season we are in. Because we, life is filled with these different seasons, and it's, and it's so difficult as, as we sit in these seasons to actually find contentment there. And, and for some people, they race away to different places, but the problem is, you guys all know this, wherever you go, there you are. You know, we, we can't escape this stuff, and we have to learn to find grace for the season. See, one of the things I've been really thinking about, this is a big thought, I'm just going to introduce it here. I think maybe that's what Christ had to offer the original Christians. He certainly wasn't offering the money or, you know, a bunch of power or anything like that. Why did it grow so fast? I think maybe because what he offered was peace. Grace for the season we're in. A way to hold life that is so dramatically different and that actually starts to settle our hearts. But before we get to how that settling takes place, we have to look at the unsettled part. So what I'm going to ask you to do, our online audience can text this into me, is to take a look at this. What is the hardest part of being the age you are? All right? Examples. 50. You know, and please text me in your age. I won't tell anybody. Promise. Text me in your age, 50, not sure I have enough for retirement. 16, this was my concern. Don't know if I will ever find a girlfriend. I don't care what it is. What is the season that you're in? And and when you look at it, what's the hardest part of being where you are, like the season you're in, the age? So please take 60 seconds. Either share that with a neighbor or text it into me. Go. And, And as these come in, folks, I want you to hear, I want you to hear, 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 hear these different ages. Because so much of the challenge, right, is that we're sitting in the age we're in and we're looking over at those people. You know, if I was just Christine and Darnell in 28, life would be great. Well, they have these challenges too. And so I want to read these. Uh, Oh, this is good. We'll start out with an 11-year-old. I'm 11 and will not get snacks. (laughs) Very good. See Angela after the service. She will take care of you. 55, my body doesn't respond the way it once did. Eating. 47s, will my kids have happy, productive lives? This is from a new parent. Boy, I get this one. Will I ever sleep again? (laughs) Wow, that's good. You won't, but your husband will. Uh, 59, will I outlive my son, who's 25? Losing older family members. 
Age 50, kids leaving home. Age 26, so many challenges while truly coming into adulthood. 58, had to give up bowling, a bad knee. Um, boy, these, you guys are really getting these coming fast. Sorry, I can't keep up with it. 55, not enough time. 53, kids are grown. You're now alone and you feel like you have to start over. 56, rigorous mortis. Rigor mortis is setting in. That is not true. 54, the season of transition. 26, can I see myself what I'm doing for the rest of my life? 18, uh, finding the line between being independent and accepting help. 16, I want to hurry up and grow up. Boy, that's, that's a tough one. 40, balancing work and personal life. Uh, I have a good memory. It's just short. That's good. <laughs> 31, know how to oper- knowing how to operate the laws of the universe and still getting angry when things don't go my way. 29, not sure if I'll find someone to grow old with. 20, I don't know what career path to take. 50, no retirement uh, funds. 33, my daughter is three and has a rare childhood lung cancer. Thank you for sharing that. 19, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? These, see, these are big, right? And, and how do you even, even in the midst of, of those really, really hard pieces, like how do we find grace for those seasons that we're in? It's, it's very hard to do. It's, it's hard to imagine that we can do that. But we can. And what I hope to lead you through today is an exercise in maybe where we can see trust. Now, it starts, as we've been looking at the, at the book of Philippians in the, in the New Testament, and Philippians was a letter written to a church by Paul, and Paul wrote letters to churches, and he was, he was sort of giving them advice, like kind of a... Um, a little bit of how to, but more of a why to. This, this is why you do it. And these are kind of the big picture pieces of, of how churches that are trying to get going, what they need to pay attention to and what Christianity at its core is really all about. Now, these letters he wrote from a very interesting place. He wrote them in prison. These letters to the Philippians. He wrote them in prison. Not exactly where you would think you would go to find some peace. But it happens to be where he ended up finding peace and grace for the season that he was in. Now, his journey, again, his journey is fascinating because his journey, as we mentioned last time, it started out where he was one of the the real elites, the real elites in the occupied lands of of modern-day Israel. He was a real religious elite. He was was sort of a, a pastor, but he wasn't just like a Chuck Joe Bag of Donuts pastor. He was like the dude. He was way up there. And as he's writing this letter, like imagine his circumstances. His life was way up here where he had everything that that anyone could ever imagine. Power, prestige, and possessions, which we talked about last week. And he ends up in jail. And he talks about how, you know what? The thing I didn't have here was peace. Purpose. Meaning. The biggest of pictures of life. And where did I find it? I actually found it down here. Like, that's a miracle. I love this phrase of how he talks about the, his life before, you know, going to jail. As far, and I'm going to have you say the P word there, as far as the law can make you perfect. perfect. We have an enthusiastic parishioner back there. I was faultless. You know, his life was Perfect. But this is what I'm going to hold out there for you folks. And please listen carefully. This is one I would take a note on. We oftentimes, and this is, I think, part of what, exactly what he's going at. 
we oftentimes confuse perfection with peace. A lot of you out there believe that if my life were perfect, I would have peace. Please raise your hand if you're guilty. Many of us have that, 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 that way of looking at life. Like if it was just perfect, then I would have peace. But I think where Paul is coming from is he's trying to lean us in to know, let's look at this a little differently. Maybe those two things don't go together. As the band comes out, I, I want us to start to imagine that, we, that, that maybe that's not true. Maybe there's an unsettled part here that will allow our life to grow. And take a look at the way this one author put it. This is kind of in modern language. I thought this was pretty funny. Sitting exactly in the place, place between where it's completely still and where everything else is falling apart. Love keeps nudging me, whispering, isn't it perfect? And then at the bottom it says, I'm trying to be polite, but I'm not sure yet. I see it yet. I think that's the way many of us live. We, we, we feel like these pieces, like there's, there's, this, there's this part of our life we want to have fit. There's this part that doesn't. And, and we know maybe we should, we should be getting it, but we just can't see it yet. And we come back after this song. I want to talk about what does that look like to, to maybe actually work at seeing it? How can we see it? And how can we see it? And what does that seeing actually look like? Beautiful song, you know, and that idea that we, that we have these hundred years, some of us more, some of us less. And what are we going to do? How are we going to find grace in those seasons that we are going to inevitably pass through? I want to share with you Paul's words here, and, and we're going to focus, we focus on the first part last week, we're going to read that again, that part dealt with gentleness, and then we're going to focus on the second part for today's service. So take a look at these words. And, and again, folks, don't forget, this is somebody whose life has gone from here to here and is sitting in prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your, we're going to practice from last week, let your gentleness be evident to all the lord is near don't be anxious but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving with gratitude present your request to god and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus and last week we looked at how important that inward is finally and this is beautiful here folks Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Those are incredibly beautiful lines, and it's, it's like this litany. Okay, so... So Chuck was talking about seeing. Well, what is he talking about seeing? And what's Paul talking about? Like, how do we learn to see maybe a little differently? And here's a list of those words. I'm going to read the ones in the black. You're going to read the purple ones. We're going to go right across, all right? So the first one, true, noble, right, pure. Those kinds of perspectives, like how do we start to see the world that way? Even in times that are incredibly hard. Because I want to start out, sometimes it's very easy to see those things, like in a picture like this. 
that's not hard. That's not hard to do at all. But there are hard situations. How do we see it there? Well, I want to start out sort of at a real global level and then really try to bring it home. Now, what I'm going to be doing is we're going to be pulling the lights up and I'm going to be coming around threatening you with the microphone again. You don't actually have to answer anything into the microphone unless you're Bob. What, what you're going to do is you're going to be answering one of two questions, but now we're going to flip it. Like we started out, right, looking like, like this is how old I am now and this is what's really hard. From the 11-year-old who's worried about snacks to the, to the, to the, to the 80-year-old who's worried about is, is their spouse going to be taken care of, we see this span. These are the concerns that we kind of step in. What I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to look at two questions to reflect back on that. And the questions are this. What is lovely about being 50 or older? And the second question, what is lovely about being 50 or younger? But this is the trick. Pay attention here. You may only answer what is good about being older if you're younger. You may only answer what's good about being younger if you're older. All right, so I want whoever that 11-year-old was to tell us what they think is going to be great about being older. And for, those, for some of our older parts of the audience, what do you see as being really beautiful about being younger? And you can just use a few words. Does everybody understand? Could you say yes? yes. All right, so you can, you can even start, you know, like just thinking of that in your mind. The lights are going to come up, and I'm going to grab the microphone. volunteer who's who would like to go all right here we go it's easy to get up off the floor (laughs) it's good that was said by somebody younger I'm older than 50 and I I miss the unceasing energy that I used to have the energy. What's another one out there, folks? The innocence of youth. The innocence of youth. Having a different relationship with my kids as, you know, not the dogmatic father, but, you know, somebody that I can just relate to. That, that is a beautiful one where you can have that connection with your kids in a different way. More life experience. More life experience. Thank you. I'm not getting you, bud. As younger, I see um, the older people as being admired, and that's a good thing to look forward to. Right. I agree. You know, I, I see a lot of peace and, and wisdom. Did I miss somebody back here? Well, I'm over 50, and I find that um, when I was younger, I could do better with less. You know, I had less of everything, and I felt great. And now I'm older, I expect to have more. I get that. Too many spinning plates. Did you have one? More practice. More practice. More practice. Those were great folks. And, it, and I hope you get a sense of w- when you hear those, just you know, about the way life can look. And, and I want to come back to this in a minute.
really talk about how, you know, how this works and I think what it might be trying to drive at. Because sometimes, folks, it's, it's, we have to be able to really do the work. I mean, I think it's actually work to do what Paul's saying. We have to do the work to, to look into really hard situations and find the beautiful stuff. Now, now, to kind of take it from up at that global level, I want to show you a video now, and that's just going to kind of take it another step down, a hard situation. And I want you to try to sort of change your lenses a little bit. There's part of this that will really tug at your heart. And there's part of it that's true, lovely, notable, praiseworthy, simply beautiful. So take a look at this video. Thousands of you sharing this next story on Facebook. I did too. It is that good. A Denver third grade teacher creating a movement with the hashtag, I wish my teacher knew. Kyle Schwartz asking her third graders to finish that sentence. Well, their answers are heartbreaking and certainly eye-opening. 7 News reporter Jacqueline Allen talking with Ms. Schwartz today and learning she is now inundated with offers to help. Okay. Where will we put that on this chart? Usually, when Kyle Schwartz asks her third graders a question... You have to give evidence from the text to prove that. The teacher in her already knows the answer. Until recently, when she asks something different. So I was really just searching for a way to really understand them better and find out more about their lives. The assignment was simple. Finish the sentence, I wish my teacher knew. But she had no idea the answers would be so complicated. I wish my teacher knew I don't have pencils to do my homework. In a school where 90% of children qualify for a free or reduced lunch. I wish my teacher knew that my reading log is not straightened because my mom is around a lot. An eight-year-old's inner voice waiting to be heard. Our problems in Denver with childhood poverty um, are not unique to Denver, but I also feel like particularly in Denver, we're not always aware of it. So this teacher started tweeting her students' heartbreaking responses, and the hashtag, I wish my teacher knew, went viral, offers for donations pouring in. And so once people realize the realities of it, that I don't have pencils at home, that sometimes I don't feel secure at home, that this child poverty is affecting these kids in real ways, once they realize it, then we can take steps towards changing it. The odds may be stacked against these students, but they also want their teacher to know they want to go to college. They love school. And even if they don't love math, they know someone cares enough to ask them a question and listen to the answer. So what did you write? I wish my teacher knew I loved her with all my heart. You said that? That's so sweet. Do you love, do you love Ms. Schwartz? In Denver, Jacqueline Allen, 7 News. So do you folks see it there? You know, there's heartbreak. There's what's noble. There's what's beautiful. There is what is true. It's a very different kind of peace, right? It's not a peace based on perfection. It's not a peace of like the world just has to look this certain way because it doesn't. And I think what Paul is asking us there to do and what God is asking us there to do is as best we can to be able to see those wonderful parts even in the midst of what is incredibly hard. 
That's big stuff, that's small stuff. I want to share with you a story from the congregation. It was just beautiful this past week. We have a, a congregation member who's struggling with a serious health crisis in their family. And I, you know, I asked what we could do, and, and then they said, well, you know what, if somebody could just mow our yard, that would be wonderful. And so what I did was I, was I called up Bill Johnson. Oh, so I shouldn't have named names, Bill. The, called up Bill, and, and I said, Bill, would, would you be willing to, to mow somebody's yard? And, and, and Bill very kindly and graciously did that. That, folks, is where we can start to see the world a little bit differently. Where we can start to understand peace a little bit differently. That life has storms, but we can even find peace within those storms. Because I think that peace connects back to this. I'm going to have you say the T word really loud. Peace has in it trust. Trust Trust in God. That God governs all things, provides all things, and leads to a good end. That trusting part, I want to talk about that for a minute. Because I think this kind of trust is a little bit different than maybe we hold it normally. You know, as you came into New Church Live today... We handed out puzzle pieces. I had my my wife go and pick up a puzzle for me. So I want you to pull out that little puzzle piece. Pull out that little puzzle piece. And just see, I'm just curious, just see if it fits with any of the puzzle pieces around you. Just take two seconds, see if it fits at all. You can't smush them together. You can't bend a piece. Did anybody have one that fit? Okay. I want to talk about what I think this means about peace. I think a lot of the time, like with our lives, we sort of feel we have our peace and then there's these other people in our lives and and doesn't it feel sometimes like the pieces should match just perfectly? How often does that happen? Never. It just, it just doesn't. Even if you're crazy about the people around you, the pieces, they still drive you nuts. The pieces still don't match perfectly. But I think where God's trying to get us to think is this with trust. I think God's trying to get us to see that there always is this bigger picture. I mean, just imagine, folks, we were trying right now to, to like, assemble this picture. And I said, okay, it's congregation. We have 250 people out there with 250 pieces. I need you to put together. We're putting on the 60-second timer. Go. Can you do it? You're a dreamer. I don't think so. I don't think you could do it. It would be really, really hard to do. I think what God is asking us in this, folks, is to simply be our peace. And I want to say that again. To simply be our peace. Again, I know some of you out there are raging with jealousy because right now that person sitting beside you got a corner piece. You're thinking, you lucky son of a gun. You always get the corner piece. 
it's not about that comparing, contrasting. It's about like, this is the peace that I have. This is the peace that I've been given. My job is to look at the season that I'm in and to be in that season. To understand that yes, there are clearly breakings and my job as best I can is to continue to look again and again for what is true, what is trustworthy, what is beautiful, what is noble, what is praiseworthy. To do the best I can, not in a way that ignores the bad stuff. In a way that puts my arms around it all. This is a little fine line, and I'm probably not going to be able to explain this really well, so my apologies. I think a lot of the time we treat God the way we treat each other, which is we sort of look over and we go, are you trustworthy? Are you worthy of my trust? And that kind of sets God up in this conditional way. Like the God can either do it right or or do it wrong, and if he does it wrong, I don't trust him. If he does it right, I do trust him. I think what we're being asked for instead is to literally trust in God. To move our lives into that trust. That's not Pollyannish, that's not simple, that's not easy. But can we just for a moment like breathe and just be like, oh, yep, this is hard. And as best I can, I'm going to move my life into trust right now as best we can as God gives us to see it. That's where we start to understand what being actually is. So as we close today's service, what I ask you to think about is this. Imagine we pull that piece from last week of gentleness. Okay, so the pieces don't fit. How do I pull gentleness in? And now how do I pull a second part in? A second part that's about perspective, about how I see the world, even when the world is really hard. And when I do that, can I learn trust? See, again, that's well beyond the world of making ourselves perfect, of life somehow being perfect, of you, me, and body or soul somehow being perfect. but it's a place of deep knowing. Maybe the deepest kind of knowing. That God's here, even in this space. I'd ask you now to please join me in prayer. I'm gonna offer a prayer and then you have the opportunity to offer your own prayer, to say the Lord's prayer as you know it, or to have a moment of quiet reflection. So please join me. Lord, thank you for bringing us here together today. And Lord, in some way, help to stir within our hearts an awareness of looking out there at the world, at at what is hard, Lord, and not dismissing it, not pretending, not turning a blind eye, but seeing it squarely. And at the same time that we see it squarely, Lord, to see as well the beauty that is in this life. The beauty that is in the seasons we are in. 
the grace of our age and our lives broken as they are. But let us be aware of the grace we have here and now. Not something we have to clamor for, not something we have to attain, but a place. A place, Lord, where we are and where you meet us. And Lord, we ask prayers for those who are struggling in this congregation. For those, Lord, who are struggling with pieces that don't fit, Lord, be with them. Allow us, Lord, to find ways and big and small to continue to reach out to them. Allow us to serve. Allow us to settle. Allow us to be. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.